Welcome back, everyone, to the Goody Two Shoes podcast. I'm the dad half. And I'm the daughter half. That's right, guys. We have our first guest today, and it is my own dad. We're so excited for this um, episode. I think it's honestly going to be really cool. Um, he's got a lot of really cool things to say. I would know. He's my dad. Um, so yeah, kind of the big thing we're going to be focusing on today is God's purpose for your life and how that fleshes out um, in his plan and in your career and just kind of ways to understand um, what God has planned for you. Yeah, definitely, Al. So I think one of the challenges that a lot of young people are facing right now is a culture that focuses on got to have everything, got to be everywhere, got to be in the spotlight, got to have the image. Um, and it's really hard to find your own identity within that. Um, so as you're asking yourself your question as a child, you're asking yourself, you know, what direction does my life taking? But as a parent, we're saying, uh, we're saying the same things. So like, how is it that the tools that we're giving you are the ones that are important? How do we, um, how do we sort of craft an experience for you as a, as a young person through the various stages of your life that um, is both meaningful, but also allows you to explore who you are? Um, and that can be a real challenge. Um, it can be a challenge for a parent to understand how to do that. Um, and it can definitely be challenging for a, a child who maybe doesn't know all those specific things about who they are and what they are. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think more on that point, like, I, I don't know. I've talked to so many of my friends um, who, I mean, of course, my senior friends, my junior friends, my graduated friends, but even kids who are in middle school. And it's like you can talk about anything, but at the end of the day, it's, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing when I get out of high school. I don't even know what I'm doing when I get into college. All of these things. And my first thing is just like, well, why, why do you have to know, you know? It's like these, like, 10, 15, 18-year-old kids and they're just like so stressed. My friend was like, she's a year older than me. And she's like, oh my gosh, my dad just helped me pick up my major. I'm pretty sure I have the right college, but I'm just, I don't know if this is really where God wants me. And there's just so much stress around the entire topic. Um, so I think the points that we're going to make are going to be really helpful for that. Just kind of bringing some light to that whole thing. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to talk about this. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, okay. So one of the first things that kind of stuck out to me when I was thinking about this is just like kind of where this whole thing starts and you'd be like oh well you know it starts when you're getting into middle school it starts when you're getting into high school but the fact is this this whole issue is stressed and brought up when you're literally like three years old because like what's the first thing you can walk you can talk and then it's what do you want to be when you grow up Billy and it's immediately putting into your mindset that it's I have to have this one career, this one path, this one choice for my whole life. And as a kid, it's, I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to be any of those things. Maybe you have an interest in space. Maybe you have an interest in helping people. Maybe you just like bugs, you know? You're three years old. You're six years old. Um, you're 15 years old. You don't have a plan for that. And so that question can be really stressful. And honestly, I just think it puts a, a wrong thought process on the entire um, topic because it's just forcing you to have this one specific idea that you're going to be doing this one thing for the rest of your life. And realistically, that's just not usually the case. Yeah. I, one of the things I think that is working against children is we, at least in, in, at least in the West, we have such a structured approach to youth. And um, that's not the case in the rest of the world. In the rest of the world, there's lots of um, there's more openness. There's a more there's a different approach towards 
towards child rearing and, and child education. Um, but in the West, we have this very um, delineated, structured, like this is the way that it has to be um, sort of approach. So we, we you know, if we, we got to get them into the good school or if it's a public school, you know, maybe mom and dad are working. And, you know, it's like, well, we really want to get them into pre-K and we really want to get them into 4K. Um, and you're, what you're doing is you're taking this young mind that you just talked about that has all these desires and just wants to go out and eat those bugs because let's be <laughs> honest, that's really where we want all want to be. Um, nothing wrong, no, you know, no, no bug hating. I love, I love bugs. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, what you're doing is you're taking that child's brain at that young age and you're teaching it that it has to work in this very structured environment. And if you don't work in that structured environment, then you are not part of that system. You're not going to function well in that system. Mm -hmm. So I think we do a disservice to kids. Mm -hmm. um, and and again, mom and dad, if you're listening, uh, like you guys are doing the doing the work, right? You're you're out there. You're 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 paying the bills. You're you're doing the hustle. You're doing what you can do. Um, young mom and moms and dads out there. Um, I mean, you're still trying to build your career. Maybe you had a kid early. Maybe it was planned. Um, you know, maybe you adopted. Um, all the structure or all the struggle, struggles that you have. We're not here to bag on that, mm -hmm. um, but the important thing is to understand that you, and by nature and by virtue of how you operate as a parent, your child is already on one of those like people movers at the airport. Yeah. Like you just go like you're already in that system, and you have to understand how to play in that system because it, as Ellie said, is going to create a whole litany byproduct of of stresses and anxieties for your child. Um, that they may or may not tell you, or they may or may not even have the ability to understand that's what they're experiencing. They're just feeling this overwhelming pressure as they grow older and older. Have you experienced that, Ellie? Yeah. So only over the course of like the most recent year have I kind of narrowed down, uh, not necessarily a career choice, but a place where my interests actually lie. But up until that point, yeah, I was just as much a subject of that insane stress because you get into any topic with your friends and honestly, that question comes up so often and it's just, it's scary because there's the people you talk to and it's like, oh, wow, she's worse off than me. Like she doesn't have any idea. And then there's the girl who's like, oh, well, I know I've been called to be a missionary in Uganda since I was four years old. And it's like, great. You have an entire plan for your life. I've got no idea what I'm doing. And it's also hard because... I feel like I have a great relationship with you guys, with my parents, but there are still times when I was younger where I would be like, I feel like I, I can't ask them about this. It sounds like I'm failing. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. My parents have it all together. Like, clearly they know what they want to do with their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not that was true, that was my impression. Um, and so, yeah, it's really scary. And there's just constant conversations about that that are just kind of pressing that idea and pressing that idea. Um, so yeah, that can be definitely really stressful. I think one point I want to make Ellie is too, is, is remember this is God's purpose for your life. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about this, we have to understand that, um, we're not just talking about the parents or the kids or the family or the dog or the grandparents. It's, we're talking about a living being that is beyond our comprehension that cares for us on an individual level. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's so easy. And then this is just part of God's design. He puts us in this world so that we can choose the world or we can choose him. Mm -hmm. And these specific issues are so overwhelming. They feel all consuming. They feel like the entire weight of the world is on your shoulders. 
Um, and it's really easy to say, well, I'm just going to make this one decision as opposed to maybe I need to wait. Maybe I need to seek counsel. Maybe I need to do, and this could be for the parents and it can be for the kids. But I think it's important to really understand um, that we're talking about Christians here. Like we're talking about people who have said in their hearts, yes to Christ, I'm bringing you in. Like you're a part of me now. You're transforming me. I'm repenting of my sin because the reality is we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. We live in a world with an enemy who wants to detach us from God. So he wants to put more of those things on your shoulders, more of that anxiety, more of that fear. For the parents out there, he wants you to be questioning yourself. He wants you to feel insignificant and insecure. Wants you to think that you're doing a bad job. You're not doing a bad job. And we're here to tell you right now, none of you, kids or adults, you're doing a great job. The fact that you're pressing in, listening, guiding by the spirit, um, allowing your, the transformation process to take place, um, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, as we discuss this, frame this all with grace. So give yourself grace, give yourself space. Um, and I'm here to tell you right now, I'm the biggest hypocrite when it comes <laughs> to that, because as everyone can attest who knows me, uh, I do not give myself grace. Um, and I will absolutely beat myself up over it. And, and that's a moral failing, guys. Like that's a, that's a moral and a spiritual failing on my part. Um, but again, that's a, you know, what does the dad do? He comes home, he, you know, puts on his smoking jacket, he sits on the couch and he smokes his pipe and he watches the evening news and the wife makes him a chicken pot pie and the kids play on the floor. Um, no, we don't, obviously we don't believe that, but I don't know. I still feel like there's vestiges of that, that patriarchal culture. We live in a patriarchal culture. So for me personally, talking to the dads out there, um, you got to give yourself grace and you got to understand that. And, and as I am so blessed to have an incredibly beautiful, tender and wonderful wife and this wonderful little doe eyed imaginative daughter. Um, <laughs> and they have taught me personally how much they need me to be present in their lives. Um, it's not always about the job or how much money you make it. That's important stuff, guys. Like dads, I, I really, I really do, do believe that that's part of our calling, part of our purpose, part of the authority that we're supposed to bring. Um, but this family, this unit, this, this place where we can build something better, um, our girls and our families and our kids, they definitely need that. So, um, yeah, give, give yourself a little grace, even though I can't. It's <laughs> preaching to the choir. Something that you said that, um, stood out to me and reminded me was when you're talking about like the stress, um, and how that's just honestly not from God at all. Like that's something that is so common that I see with my friends when they're talking is it's almost like, oh, stress is normal. You know, right. it's like, whatever. No, stress isn't good, but that's just how it happens. It's like, no, that is not from God. That is absolutely not from God. And if it's not from God, it's from the devil. And Satan's and absolutely, simple. yeah, it's he's absolutely trying to attack you with that because you know, if he can't get you to sin, well, of course he's going to get you all stressed out and freaked out about things and questioning what you're doing. But when I talk to older people, like my grandparents or people in my church, just people who have walked the life a long time, they're always like, it works out. God's got a plan. I stressed out so much when I was younger. And look at me now. I've got a life. God had a great plan for it. And honestly, you just got to chill out. And it's like, you're in the moment and you're like, okay, thanks for that advice. Like, <laughs> Super helpful. But the fact is, is if we kind of, I know it sounds like cheesy Christianese, but if we really put our trust in Jesus, like it, this part of our life is such a blip compared to the eternity we're going to have with God. Of course he has a plan for it. Of course he's got like a lineup of our entire lives. He knows the choices we're going to make and he knows what's best for us. And I don't know about you guys, but that is just 
so hopeful for me when I'm getting stressed out, when things are not going my way. I just kind of have to step back and be like, okay, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is this a big deal? Not really. Does God have it covered? Absolutely. I just got to calm down, pray about it, and, you know, you get past it. And I think that's just one of the most encouraging things ever because it can be really scary when you're just facing these big decisions. But knowing that he's entirely in control is really, really helpful. Yeah, you make a really excellent point, Ellie. Um, So it's this idea of stress versus pressure. Mm -hmm. So, like, stress is an emotional response to a pressure that you're feeling in your life. Um, and it, it, it's really easy, I think, especially like you said, in the moment to, to just let that whole ball of fear and anxiety and terror just, and, and just wash over you and, and define you. Um, however, like you said, there's, there's the faith, there's the hope, there's the joy in Christ, um, and the power of the spirit. Um, and it's, I think if you can strip away that emotional response now, that's hard to do, yeah, right? I was going to say, it's very difficult, especially for us emotional girls. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and that's that's also a huge point, too, is the difference in how both guys and girls process information and how we were designed. It's a lot easier for a guy to just disconnect, mm-hmm. which is also not the way to yeah, do it. Not always the best solution either. I mean, going full in or completely out, you know, it, there's, there's, a, there's a mix in that. So mm-hmm. I think it's a skill to be able to recognize the pressure that you're feeling in your life um, and then come at that prayerfully and intentionally and with people around you that you love Mm -hmm. who can then sort of peel away some of that emotional response. Um, And uh, I was just in a class yesterday with uh, some seventh graders um, and I just got the sense that they were stressed. And uh, we, we, we scrapped the whole session and sat down and did highs and lows um, and some of these kids within the first five minutes were almost in tears um, because they don't really have a lot of the tools to be able to discuss things with their peers, um, foreshadowing for a new episode. <laughs> um, and if you have a community, I mean, we're designed to be in community. The, so in, 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 the very, in the very sense that we ourselves are in community with God, that's a community. In the very sense that God is the triune God, that he is a community. And then we have a family unit. And then we have an extended family unit. And then we have our schools, our, our, our church communities, and our community around that. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's how we're supposed to live. But we as a culture do such a bad job of supporting each other. So when somebody's feeling that stress, being able to say, hey, Elle, I, I, I see that you're struggling. You just, you look a little off today. How are you doing? And your response is, fine, I'm fine. <laughs> Hashtag blast. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, oh, sorry, do you want to say Please. Something? Okay, something, I, I love what you're saying there because honestly, it, huh, I'm one of the most like guilty of this, but it is terrifying to ask someone how they're doing. Like it honestly is. Like people, you're talking with like teachers or whatever, it's like a, it's like a mentorship program, and they're like, just ask your friends how they're doing, be there for them, support them. It's like, it's scary. Like honestly, walking up to a friend who looks like they're like about to cry or just looks stressed out and having to be vulnerable and be like, Hey, are you okay? Like there's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of them like pulling away and maybe that relationship being hurt. Um, but the fact is, is because it is so hard and because it is so vulnerable, it is so, so important. And yeah, Honestly, sometimes you're going to say that and they're going to say, oh, no, I'm fine. And they're going to shut off and it's going to be hard for you to talk to them. But there's also going to be so many times when 
that person needed someone to come to them and that person needed someone to talk to them. And honestly, <laughs> I'm going to be straightforward. It's kind of easy and a bit lazy to just be like, oh, well, you know, they didn't talk to me. So clearly they don't need any help. It's like if you were in that situation, you wouldn't go to them either because it's you're in a hard place and you're in a hard situation. So just being vulnerable enough and honestly humble enough mm. to just go up to that person and be like, hey, honestly, are you okay? Like you look like you're struggling. Do you want to just go sit down? Do you want to talk about something? Do you want to listen to some music? Just being willing to be there. Oh, it's so relieving to that person. Even if they don't end up telling you what's going on, just knowing that you're one more person who's actually willing to be there for them is a blessing. Yeah. But, but Miss Ellie, I'm scared and I don't understand <laughs> what I'm doing. And I got all these emotional stuff, but I still want to be an astronaut when I go up. <laughs> well, little Billy, let's talk about that. <laughs> so bouncing back to that thing we were talking about at the beginning with the, um, the classic question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, you were making a point about that, about how, I mean, we we're obviously saying, it's not a great question, right? It kind of points you in the wrong direction. But at the same time, asking that question and little Billy says astronaut, that's showing you something about his interests and his passions. And that's the biggest thing that you really need to focus on. So instead of just saying, oh, well, Billy wants to be an astronaut, let's enroll him in some astronaut classes. <laughs> let's enroll him in Space R Us classes for kindergartners. It's like, no, let's give him some library books and movies about space because clearly he's interested. Or maybe he really likes astronaut costumes. Who knows? Maybe he'll right. be really happy this Thanksgiving. Um, but focusing on those interests instead, those core interests, is exactly what's going to point you in the right direction. Because something that's really, I don't know, I'm not sure if I say this right, but like the importance be between the difference of like an actual career and your interests is one is so broad and has so many options for you and one is finite and a final answer. And so you're going to say, I want to be a police officer. Okay, you became a police officer and now you're a police officer. Is that really what you wanted? Well, it turns out you really liked the independence. You really liked being in charge, the leadership. You really liked the outfit, You just all those sorts of things. Well, now you put those things down on paper and oh my goodness, there's tons of jobs that fit that criteria. Sure. There's tons of careers that can go with that. Um, and so I think there's such importance in at any age, especially a young age, defining what those interests and passions are um, because that can help you completely like funnel down what's actually important to you. And I also want to press that there's definitely a difference between your interests and your hobbies because, oh, I know, that classic saying that's like, oh, what is it? It's like, if you have your work, like, you'll never work or, like, you I have a hobby. I literally just wrote that down. Did you do? Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your yeah. life. Yeah. And I'm like, at first I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so smart. And then I'm thinking about it. I'm like. And it's total crap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Imagine me doing crochet for the rest of my life. Like, don't get me wrong, I like crochet, but that would ruin it for me. Yeah. I would never want to crochet a day in my life after that. And so there's definitely an importance in being like, well, I really like baking. It's like, mm, do you want to bake for the rest of your life? Probably not. Do you want to bake even two days a week consistently? Probably not. And so just those specific hobbies, things that you do to relax and rewind are different than things that you're interested in. Because I'm not going to say, I could go, I'm going to do a job in crochet. Or I'm going to say, I'm really interested in starting individual businesses, starting new things. Um, I really love talking with people. I really love hearing people's stories. Well, that's something that's sustainable. That's something that I can narrow down. Well, and look, what are we talking about? We're talking about a job, right? Mm -hmm. And what is a job? 
it's work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm at not the sure end of the, that, but that's exactly at the end of the day, it's work. Yeah. So like, um, you're a hundred percent spot on with this. Um, it's not to say that you can't enjoy your job, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, yeah, absolutely not. you can't incorporate things of your passions into your work. Um, but it really is true. Like making your passion, your job is the number one way to kill your passion. Seriously. And then you have no way to refresh in the weekends, nothing at all, because why would I crochet? I hate crocheting. Right. I mean, just you just go on Etsy and you see all these little mom and pop type biz, like artisanal businesses that, that pop up and they're up and up and done, up and done, mm-hmm. up and done. It's like, oh, this is great. I get to make my jewelry. I get to make my fancy little cookies. I get to do all these mm-hmm. things, which is good and beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. Um, but maybe this is a stay at home mom. Maybe this is somebody who's, you know, second career. Maybe they're like they had enough people say, wow, you're just the most excellent beadsmith I've ever seen that you do in your, your basement, which is like, cool, that's really awesome. Um, and then on a Tuesday morning, you've got five orders. And then by Friday, you're behind. And th- because of the pandemic, we can't get a hold of solder. And now you've got customer service issues. And you've got six moms yelling at you because you were supposed to make a brooch for, you know, her daughter's wedding, which is coming up. And oh, yeah, seriously, just <laughs> hearing about that imaginary thing is stressing me out. Imagine being in it. Sounds miserable. So yeah, definitely just do not put your hobbies as the infor- as like your career because those need to be the things that help you like relax and refresh. So I hope I'm not hammering this point, but just I think it's really important to look at what your hobbies are and what those things are that you do in the weekend because those can help you find what your interests and passions are. Um, so I know I've been using the crochet thing a lot, but I like having like I'm more of an introvert. And so I like to have things where I can sit down and work with something in my hands. I can kind of like de-stress. Um, but at the same time, I also like starting new things. And so that represents itself in, I'll start a new project, you know, or I'll like, I don't know, start something new at my church. And my kind of personality is that my passion is to just start brand new things all the time. That really just keeps me alive. Just me excited. <laughs> I wonder where, I wonder where you she did. got that from. Who fault is that? Um, So yeah, just kind of like being aware of what you end up spending your time on is such a good indicator. And some of you guys are going to be like, of course, I know my interests and stuff. That's great because that's the sort of thing that's going to help you narrow that down. You know, this this idea of, of, you know, what is the direction that God has for me? Um, What is the direction that I want to go? How can I take these these elements that you're talking about, Ellie, and, and use them? Uh, to, to really fuel this direction in my life. I mean, I think we, we view our lives differently than we probably should. I think we think of them as like this, I'm, you know, talking about like, you know, he will be a lamp unto my feet and he will guide my steps and he will give me, you know, the next foot forward. And, and, and we have this very much like I'm walking as a human being through life. But in a lot of ways, it's, it's actually kind of more like a train. Um, mommy and I have been watching a ton of these train videos as this guy goes across the country. And um, one of the things that's fascinating about trains is you can detach different cars and put different cars on there. So you might have a freight train that's just all freight or an oil that's all oil. But these are passenger trains. Um, and some of them may be short little ones where it's just seats. Some of them may be long where they're sleeper cars. Some of them may have a little dinette. Some of them may have a full-on restaurant. Some of them have these little windows. And some of them have these grand two-story cars that have sunrooms and and like sunroofs and you can be in there for hours and hours and hours but what's fascinating about that is uh you know they they swap these cars out depending on what the need is for that transportation and i think it's important to look at our lives like that so um we don't we don't know where that train is going like ideally we don't know we might have an idea that we're going out west 
God wants to bring us out west in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could be Oregon or that can be Baja, California. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's if, if we sort of, he gives us this idea, this, this sort of idea of what direction we're kind of going to go. Um, but he doesn't give us that end destination. But what he does give us is the ability to swap those cars out. Mm-hmm. Like, what are those interests? What am I doing right now? Like, I really used to love crochet, but I, you know, um, I hurt my hand. So, you know, I can't do that right now. Or um, I really thought that I was good at this one talent, but turns out it's really not passionate. I'm not mm-hmm. passionate about that. You know, and, and, and if you understand as a person, as you're growing, that you can, that you're like, what's that? I just love this quote. Like, uh, I, I say this all the time with kids um, when they're talking about the career path. Now, there's this great movie that I love. It's called Hitch. Um, and it's this guy, Christopher Hitchens, or Christopher Hitch. No, that's an, that's an author. This guy, <laughs> he's like a, he's like a, he's like a love. He helps people find love. And so he finds this, you know, your classic Midwestern Kevin James kind of big chubby dad guy. Um, and, uh, he takes him from his frumptastic outfit to like this real handsome outfit. And, uh, the Kevin James character is kind of like, and Hitch is played by Will Smith. Um, he's all, you know, dapper and yeah. handsome and, and he, and Hitch, or, um, Kevin James' character says, this really isn't me. Like, I, I, this doesn't feel like me. And um, I, I, I want everybody, if you latch onto anything, latch onto this. Whenever you're feeling the struggle is Hitch's response. He's like, the whole concept of you is very fluid right now. <laughs> That's really true, though. So as we're, as we're swapping those cars out, don't, don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. You know, change your style. Change the way you talk. Change your interests. And change it often. Who cares? You know, you're not defined by any of this stuff, mm-hmm. but what you're doing is you're sculpting, you're crafting. I mean, you're a painter, Ellie, so you know that when to get to that final, like what you have in your head is not going to be what comes out. You're going to make changes. You're going to swap out colors. You may scrap the entire project, mm-hmm. but it's, you don't know that until you're working through that process. So if you're like, well, uh, I paint and uh, I only get paint by numbers and because I know what I'm getting and I know what I'm doing yeah. and it's like, well, yeah, you're going to have. And there's nothing wrong with those people who are like, I want to be that missionary at five. Mm -hmm. God does talk to people like that. He truly does. It's just not the norm. And in my hot mess life, yeah. (laughs) Not (laughs) Not, We'll talk about that next next episode. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, knowing that you can make those changes and that the whole concept of you and me and all of us is very fluid. Mm -hmm. What does that do? That gives God space. Mm -hmm. Gives God space to be able to make those changes in your life. Do you think that God... I don't know. Maybe I don't. I I don't think that God really cares all that much about what you do, really, in the end, because it's about that relationship and that relationship with Him first. That you're always turned towards God, um, and you're always turning towards God. It's a constant thing. It's like being on a it's like being on a merry-go-round, and you're like trying to fix your eyes on something on the horizon, mm-hmm. and it's always constantly moving. Um, and 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 that's how we have to do that constantly. Because if we're doing that, then it's not that he doesn't. It's not that he doesn't care about what we are. Right. It's to, It's that what we be, will become through that fluid process. So much more important. So much more important. So much more God honoring. Mm-hmm. Something else that <laughs> I don't know who needs to hear this, but I had this realization the other day, and it's going to be like a oh duh moment. But I think people sometimes forget, like we have free will. Like, we have the ability to make decisions and change things in our lives. And so don't ever feel trapped in where you are. And if you're like, oh, wow, I hate my 9-to-5 job. And, like, it's the worst. It's like Or like, basketball practice. Yeah, or basketball practice. Exactly. Like, whatever that thing is that you just feel stuck in. It's like you can change it. You can absolutely change that. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Sometimes it's a realization for me. I'm just walking in. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I make my own choices. And then I go make myself a drink or something, you know. It's just like that realization that you have absolute control. Um, well, uh, Not absolute, I'm saying. Well, I'm saying the, the caveat on that, of course, is 
the commandment to, to love your parents, like, mm-hmm. love your mom and dad and listen to them. And, and I know there's a lot of kids out there who are not in good relationships with their yeah. parents. Um, and the Bible, I mean, the Bible is, is, is pretty clear on this. God will work through the authority figures in our lives. Um, and you may not be in a healthy relationship with your parents. Mm-hmm. You may be estranged from your parents, um, any number of things, but God is putting, God, God will put authority structures in your life to help guide you. If, like you said, Ellie, you're humble enough to be able to enter into those relationships mm-hmm. and allow them to guide you. So it's a give and take. Yeah, it's you're, sure. you're, you're, you're having those desires um, that God has put on you and, and maybe you're having not desires that other people have put on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it takes trust. It seriously does. And sometimes it takes a trust of people that maybe you don't have a lot of trust in. And that's 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 the reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, to take that sort of full circle to what you started the podcast with, Elle, is that, you know, we do serve a God who's bigger. And we serve a God, and we're, it is, we need to have hope in that whole process mm-hmm. that, that he is crafting something larger. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, something else I really want to say, I feel like this is one of the most powerful parts that you'll probably hear from this, is um, this concept that I got from a book. I know, sounds kind of cheesy. I, I'm homeschooled, and so I read a lot of books, part of my curriculum, and a lot of times they're a little boring, but this one was really, really good. If you want to read it, it's called God's Will, God's Best, for Your Life by Josh McDowell and Kevin Johnson. Um, it's honestly a really great book. Uh, a little long, it could be probably bottled down to about a bit of a paragraph, but one of the biggest things that, sorry, it's a little <laughs> long. <laughs> um, if you don't want to read it, this was one of the key things that I took out of Here, it. Here, listen to this sentence and read the book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you're a reader, you'll love it. Um, but this was one of the big concepts that I took out of it, and it's this. God's not going to show you his personal plan for your life if you're not actively trying to live out his expectations that are spelled out in the Bible. Can you read that again, Ellen? Yeah, absolutely. God is not going to show you his personal plan for your life if you're not actively trying to live out his expectations that are spelled out in the Bible. Wow. Yeah, it's really powerful. And if it's a lot of words, so I'm going to try and break that down for you. Um, one of the analogies that he used in the book was that of a teacher and he was like if you're in a classroom and there's a really like there's a teacher okay he's going to tell you something to the entire class he's going to say read pages 39 through 50. everyone knows that expectation right and a bad teacher is just going to leave it there right he's just going to be like that's it but a good teacher is going to come down individually and he's going to talk to each of these people on an individual level he's going to talk to the kid who has adhd he's going to talk to the kid whose parents are divorced he's going to talk to these kids and he's going to be like hey i know you're a little behind I'm going to give you an extra day. Or he's going to say to this girl, hey, I know you already read most of this chapter, so I want you to work on this part, right? He's taking this big overarching assignment for everyone, and he's bringing it down to a personal level for each of these individual people. And that's, I, feel, I love that analogy. I feel like it's so good. Um, I mean, I, I can't help but reflect um, on my own career as a teacher mm-hmm. and uh, how incredibly poignant that is, um, not just from the student standpoint, but from the teacher standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the student of obviously receiving the love and the teacher giving the love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's just such a, a great show, again, of just how merciful and wonderful God is that he's not just leaving us there to figure it out. Because those kids who are in those individual situations, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, 
I can't read that much. Like my, I'm going to be at my dad's house and I don't know how I'm going to get all this done. And he starts stressing out, but that good teacher comes along and shows him how exactly he can do it in his personal situation. Um, but that teacher wouldn't have told him those individual tasks if that kid hadn't already been working towards that overarching task, right? So God's not going to tell us, you know what, Ellie, I really have this plan for you. I want you to start this nonprofit in Mexico, right? If He's not going to tell me that if I have not already shown that I am willing to follow him, that I'm willing to do what it takes, and that I'm humble enough to continually be in his word and continually trying to grow because there's nothing for him to show me there. He's just going to tell me that. And I'm going to be like, great, I got a plan. I got this figured out. I can do it. And he's going to be like, honey, no, <laughs> you don't have a plan. You don't have it all figured out. Yeah, I just hop in real quick. I think that there's so much in the Bible that supports mm -hmm. that. I mean, um, I mean, I couldn't even go into all the verses where God says on in so many different parables, um, of course, boil that all down to, uh, you know, if you're faithful in the small things, you'll be faithful in the large things. Exactly. Oh, so good. Um, but you also look in, in terms of all of the parables about fruit, um, where you take something small like a mustard seed and it grows into something large with faith or um, the seed of faith and how it can grow into or it can wither um, on the vine, um, talking about how when we're grafted to, to Christ, we're grafted to that vine, we will produce fruit. Mm -hmm. um, so um, it's it's a hundred percent like we, we take that in terms of our faith, but as a career building component of the conversation, it's exactly how God operates. Mm -hmm. um, a hundred percent how God operates. Um, so I just yeah, I definitely want to echo what Ellie said is um, you know don't don't go for the shoot for the moon on something if if you if you you haven't even done a little bit of the work i see that all the time mm -hmm. i see it in adults and i see it in kids and i'm like they just make these massive changes and it's and there's like well do you even like i, I had a good friend who um was going through some career issues and he was just a really prideful kind of guy mm -hmm. um and he ended up getting um a lot going in a direction that um, ultimately wasn't good for him um, and I think it was really, it was really hard for him and his family. Um, and now he's doing something that he, he enjoys a lot more. Um, but when we go on that pride of self, uh, it's just a disaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think something really important that you kind of said that really stood out to me is, I don't know, I feel like I'm realizing this, that like all of those, you know, classic sayings, they're so worldly where it's like, um, do you, you know, be yourself. You, you have big dreams and stuff like that. And God's not telling us that we can't have big dreams. That's not the point at all. He wants us to dream big. He wants us to have big, amazing prayers because he wants to fulfill those things. But the difference is that one way we're putting our trust in ourselves and when we we're putting our trust in him. And when we plan those things, when we say those things, it's for our own selfish desires and it's not going to go anywhere. So now for me, I know I've said this a lot of times, but something that can be a sin for me, it can be a temptation for me is in when planning those things, it's this sort of thing in my mind that I can easily go down the road of like, wow, wouldn't it be so cool if I started a business at 15? I would be so famous. Like people would be so inspired by me. I would be so like a household name. And then I have to stop and I'm like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is not for me at all. If this even is the plan that God has for me, it's exactly that, God's plans for me, not my plans for myself, because my plans for myself will ultimately fail. Um, so I hope I didn't... Like, no, that's great. I mean, okay. you know, it says in the Bible, God says, I have plans to prosper you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jesus says, what what father, when his child asks for a fish, will give them a stone. Yeah. Like your father in heaven wants to get these good things for you, but you have mm -hmm. to want to receive them and not be like the prodigal son who says, well, I'm just going to take what I can and go. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I mean... That was my story. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. 
um, is that, uh, you know, that, that God will let you do that. Because at the end of the day, he doesn't care about your nonprofit in Mexico. Mm -hmm. If your heart's not there, I mean, he will let, and he is in the process now, especially in the U.S. church, of letting massive ministries fail because they were whitewashed tombs, corrupted mm -hmm. on the inside, cults of personality and pride and, and, and sin. Um, and that's not God's way. Not at all. Yeah, that's absolutely so true. And, and ah, like I'm saying, like, that's such a problem for me. So I'm definitely like preaching the choir on this one. Like, it's not easy. It's so, so simple. It's easy for us to easily get into that mindset and just immediately put it on ourselves because how great would that be? But the big thing is that it's not on us and putting that trust in God is just completely the way to go. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I'm curious, Ellie. So as we sort of uh, round the bend on this, um, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about um, humility. We've mm -hmm. been talking about posturing yourself in a way that makes you open to a deeper relationship with God. Mm -hmm. We have talked and touched on things like, um, you know, just being um, open to the different directions that God can take you, but also um, understanding that you're, you're on a journey and that you don't necessarily have to know that destination right, right now. Um, and uh, you said several times that we know a lot of stuff that we do know right now. We know a lot of those interests. We know a lot of those desires that we have. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we can use those tools that God gives us right now, um, maybe those interests and passions, mm -hmm. um, to be able to take that next step or swap that next uh, train, train car. car yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that analogy. Um, so yeah, I'll bring this down to earth because I know I can listen to podcasts sometimes and it sounds all fluffy. And I'm like, oh, that was so cool. And I ended it. I'm like, great. I have, no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what to do. Wasted half an hour. Exactly. So I'm going to bring this down to earth for you guys in some actual, simple, straightforward steps. So... The biggest two things that I can say about this entire entire topic is as follows. So first of all, it's being in your Bible. Like, okay, wow, cheesy Ellie, but I'm serious. It's so true. Definitely. There was such a time in my life, like I'm definitely not a perfect Christian, but up until a couple of years ago, I never read my Bible, you know? Granted, I'm only like 15. And so like that might be completely different for you, but I was like, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't really want to be in my Bible. And the moment that I was like, no, this is something that's really important to me. And I started actually getting the Bible. It was like, it was crazy. It was absolutely Christian crazy because I would be reading these verses and I'd be like, no way. That's exactly what I'm going through. Like, God, mm -hmm. how did you perfectly orchestrate this book that's been around for years and years and years to exactly speak to what I'm in right now? If, if you have your Bible near you right now, go ahead and grab it. Um, or maybe it's on your phone and, uh, just, I want you to look at it. Think of your Bible not as a bunch of words. Think of it not as an obligation for something that, oh, do you read your Bible every day? I hate that, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't do that. I read my Bible in pulses, um, and I try to listen to it, and I meditate over Scripture. Um, I've never had the ability to just read it every single day. But, but if, that, if you can do that, that's great. If you have the time and the energy in your lifestyle, is like that. But if you're looking at that Bible and think about if you were to open that up and shake it upside down and diamonds were to fall out, you would never leave that Bible anywhere but next to you. If you knew that you could open up that Bible to almost any page and pull out an actual shining Roman coin worth a million dollars, you would never, ever, ever not be with it. You would be opening it up every chance you get. And that is, that is the truth of God's word, the truth of a living, breathing God with a dynamic Holy Spirit and a, and, a, and a book that is designed to bring you into these places so that you can have these moments of revelation like Ellie was talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think oh, something that was just so amazing to me, um, 
this one time I heard this story, and I'm sure you've heard stories like this, um, but it just completely shifts your mindset on the Bible. And it's when you start hearing about people in other countries where Christianity is persecuted, where Christianity is not the normal, where you can be killed or even just like in jail because of these sorts of things. And you hear about these stories of people who find Jesus and they're just filled with joy. And they talk about their Bible in a way that we in America, we just completely have a different mindset. I heard a story about this kid who he memorized, he went to a camp because he couldn't have a Bible um, in the country that we, he was in. And in that camp, there was people ministering to him about Jesus. And he was like, I want this. I want this in my life. Um, but he knew that if he took that Bible back to his country, he was going to get arrested and possibly killed. Wow. And so he spent the next, like, what was it? it was probably like two weeks memorizing the entire half of, I think it was the entire New Testament of the Bible because he knew he was going to never have that again. And he treasured his Bible for those two weeks that he had it. Like, that is a mindset that I don't think I will ever be able to have, but I try for every day because that is just a testament to how, like you said, pure gold jewels that is. Um, I mean, it's it's literally Christian riches because it has so much wonderful things in it. So that's something that, I mean, it's it gets hammered all the time. You hear it in church, but it's honestly true. There's few things that you can do better for your Christian faith than to be constantly in the word. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you sorry. <laughs> It, it is so simple, mm -hmm. right? It is so wonderfully simple. If you're going to go on a trip, the first thing you do is you grab Google Maps and you chart your trip out. Maybe you're like my my wife um, and you leave the, the audio on and it's always, take a left turn now. In 25 feet, you're going to pull a Yui. <laughs> um, but the reality is, is, is if you're in a spot, you know, we, we started this talking about these dark places that we get into. Mm -hmm and you feel hopeless, you feel disconnected, you feel alone, you feel confused, you feel frightened, you feel anxious, you feel stressed. Grab your Bible. Seriously. Grab your Bible. I mean, you, you wouldn't, what's, what's wrong with us as a people when and in every other thing that we do, we, we go to the instruction manual. If we, you know, when, when Finn's playing Zelda and he's stuck, he's going to a YouTube tutorial. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm doing some training on my job, I'm reading a book. And we have the audacity to think that ourselves, when we're in our most dire moments, that we're alone mm -hmm. and we have nothing to go for and go to, it's asinine. Seriously. It's, it's a resource that, I mean... Everyone has some people, you know, you'll have like three Bibles on your shelf or that one underneath, like using as a book stand, you know, literally you have no excuse. If you have an iPhone, if you have any phone, like there's literally no excuse under the sun. And if you want to go to a bookstore, buy a Bible, because it's something that's just so powerful and so readily available to us. So readily available. Well, it's possible too, that you don't believe it. Mm. It's possible that you don't believe that, that, that truth is in there. Yeah. And we have a really, really easy thing to respond to that. Try and prove us wrong. Seriously. Take take three three times in your life when you're struggling and go in, into the Bible. And I 100% I guarantee you, you will find truth that will apply to your situation. Absolutely true. And also something that's so fascinating to me is I'll be reading a verse that helped me a certain way one way. And I'll read it again when I'm in a different thing. And I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, it's like a whole new verse. It's right. completely helping me in a brand new way. So it absolutely is a living book. It's the part of the Holy Spirit, it's absolutely going to be helping you in those situations. So that's our first point, which is the biggest point. Um, but the next thing that's really important is focusing your time and energy into interests and finding which ones would be sustainable financially and emotionally. 
So this is more on the physical day-to-day life side of this um, interaction. And so the financially and emotionally, that's kind of what we were talking about with the difference between hobbies and passions, because something you can be making your jewelry and you can be selling them for 10 bucks, 20 bucks a bracelet and be making a lot of money, but emotionally you're drained, you're exhausted, and you're ready for the weekend when you can do something else besides make bracelets 24 <laughs> seven. Um, and so maybe it's financially sustainable, but it's not emotionally sustainable. And so you got to look for those things that have a really good balance. Um, and just like we were saying before, it's really important to be finding those interests and passions um, and trying them out. Like you've got life, you've got time. See if you really enjoy some of those things that you thought you did. You'd be like, try it out. And you're like, oh my gosh, I could do this all day. I love this. This gives me so much joy. This gives me so much peace. And you try another thing and you're like, yeah, you know, it looks nice on the paper, but this is definitely not my thing. Well, great. Now, you know, I didn't go into an entire job or career related to that because you thought that that was something that was going to be important and passionate for you. Yeah, I mean, something that that you see a lot in the business world, especially the small business world, and there's a lot of great books that have been written on this, um, is this idea of iteration or starting small or what's called the minimum viable product. Um, And what that means is, is when you have a new idea, don't dive into the deep end, Mm -hmm. test it, make the product. Um, And specific in the entrepreneurial world, you know, so within that context, it's like, okay, so you want to do something start it on the small scale, make it, produce it on the small scale, try a different a couple of ways of doing that. Um, and really your life is one giant entrepreneurial endeavor. Mm. So what Ellie's saying is basically start small. You know, she, she talked about this earlier, how, you know, as you're growing, you know, you're starting in the small things, you're not diving right into the deep end. There are things that you can do right now um, in order to see if this is a good fit for you. Now I'm a type A. Um, total driver kind of a personality, and yeah, I was um, say. <laughs> that does not work for me. Yeah. I want to find the deeper pool, and then find the deeper pool, and dive into that one, and put weights <laughs> on, um, and tell you what it looks like from the bottom. Um, and I know there's some of you folks out there too. God has given you that ambition. God has given you that drive. That's a part of you, um, and one of your best strengths is also your biggest weakness. Um, in this. So you have to learn how to temper that. To temper, as the Bible talks about, um, is to take a metal and put another metal inside of it and fold it in there so that it becomes stronger. You have to temper your expectations um, and temper your understanding. And it's just, you're just, at the end of the day, if you're going strong, going 100%, trying to get that dream, you're not doing it for God. You're doing it because of a hole you have in your heart and a desire that you have and it's totally misguided, and you think that if you can just do that one thing, if I can just be that successful, yes. if I can get this one thing, if I can understand this concept, I can be better than the next person who does it, guess what? You're in the you show right now, mm-hmm. and God is not even not even there. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I. Oh, there's something else that reminded me of that is, not only is it, honestly, I'm gonna say selfish, it's honestly selfish, um, because you're not putting that into God, but also it's just plain hurtful to yourself and to your future because, it's giving you this mindset that, you know, that next thing, you know, you get that promotion or you start that business you've been wanting to, or you get into that soccer team, like, oh, that's the best I could have. That's the happiness. That's the joy. You're going to get that and you're not going to be sustained. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to have that feeling forever. And it's just going to be the next thing. Um, well, do you know what that is? You're, you're literally describing a drug. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I was going to say, like an addiction. Yeah. Um, and I mean, honestly, they say don't do drugs. Like, it's hurtful. Like, that's hurtful for yourself. It's putting yourself in an awful mindset where you're never going to be fulfilled and you're never going to feel thankful. Well, and you're always going to need more mm-hmm. of that to feel that way. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, so 
I completely lost my train of thought. Oh, sure. yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm totally tracking with that. Um, so, you know, if we're going to start small, if we're going to look with the context of, of what that looks like, um, you know, Ellie's given some great points here. So looking at those interests and um, I think, you know, keeping that idea of that painting or that train car, these are just little things that you can swap out and, and they don't define who you are. As, mm-hmm. as a painter, you, you try a different color because it looks better or you scrap the whole thing. Did you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher the statistics. So if anybody Googles me, just don't. Okay. So <laughs> this is, this is basically what I heard at one point was um, there was a famous painter like Van Gogh or Van Gogh. I think it's pronounced, we've been pronouncing it wrong the entire time. Gogh? It's, I, I think it's Gogh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm a terrible artist. I know. Seriously. Um, but I said this with my students all the time. I, I will say it's Van Gogh because I don't I don't know any better because I'm I'm just a simple teacher. <laughs> but um, I say to my students, I'm like, hey, they found a ton of of, of new Van Goghs, um, like several, mm-hmm. and uh, they're like, well, really, where? And like, and I asked them, where? Well, we found it. They found it in a bunker. Oh, they found it in a private museum. They mm-hmm. found it. Blah blah blah. No, they found them underneath current Van Gogh paintings. Hmm. So it's whack. At some point, the most brilliant, one of the most brilliant painters, Van Gogh or whoever it is, um, said. Scrap it. Mm-hmm. Start it over. Yeah, that reminds me of Bob Ross. How the he <laughs> Naturally. Of course. <laughs> well, it's the paintings, okay? The greatest painter of the modern world. <laughs> Just... Him and Thomas Kincaid. <laughs> so, uh, I don't remember exactly how it lined up, but he, the paintings that you would see him do on his show aren't the only paintings that he had because he would do like a pre-painting he would do his actual painting and then he would do like an after painting just to like make sure that everything worked so this dude has like thousands of paintings and it just goes to show that he was completely like planning for each of these things and trying out new things and so he didn't just go into it you know he didn't just do that painting on the camera and be like well hope it looks good hope this is the right right burnt ember wow that's a really good point um the, the the as you wow so as you're, <laughs> we idolize things, mm-hmm. right? We idolize people. We idolize ideas. As we're looking to what we, what these kids, what you want to be when you grow up, parents, what you want for your kids, we have these idols of, of what we want for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so like when I was young, I, I always envisioned myself walking through Times Square with a briefcase and having this big important job. What was the job? I don't know. Mm-hmm. All I wanted was that moment. But did I think about the hundreds and thousands of hours of work that it would take to get there, the the steps in the career in order to, mm-hmm. to achieve that. Um, you know, we idolize Bob Ross, like even, I mean, he's an amazing painter and he's got a great technique, mm-hmm. but you know, you sit down one time with his, like you can paint tutorials and your painting looks like garbage. <laughs> Seriously. And what you're saying is this, a lot of his paintings probably looked like garbage. Exactly. Um, so, you know, and again, that comes back to giving you that grace um, but also understanding that we're all a hot mess. Amen to that. <laughs> I feel like that's a great place to end it. We're all a hot mess. <laughs> so just rounding it off, the points we made mainly is, first of all, read your Bible, get into it. You've got no reason not to. And second, focus your time and your energy into your interests and passions so you can find out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and so that you can understand where God really has you. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope this was really encouraging to you guys. I think this is just honestly such a great topic. I could talk on this for so much longer. Something that I'm really interested in, and I know you are too. Um, So I really hope this was interesting. Just share it with your friends. Share it with people you think this would be impactful for. I know this is important for kids and adults alike. Um, We're going to be having a part two to this episode, so tune in for next time. I think it's going to be a real whopper. Um, But I'm really excited. Love you guys so much, and thanks for listening. Thanks for having me, Ellie. (laughs) Of course. Bye.